Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Welcome to a new episode. I do want to start off with the disclaimer. If there are loud, obnoxious trucks in the background, it's solely because I live in an apartment complex. And as I'm recording it, I think they're having some kind of bro-off in the parking lot out here. Not sure why, not sure what it's about. But I'm trying to engage in kind of others' compassion right now and give uh, grace to others, which actually ties in really well to the episode. Um, I am a touch of a control freak, so of course I want to march out there with my hands on my hips and, you know, demand they do things a bit more quietly, but that is not my current plan of action. Instead, I'm just going to record, and if it gets real rowdy, I apologize in advance. But referring back to Monday's episode where we talk about identity formation, I do want to bracket that conversation by saying creating and understanding and parceling through one's identity really does take a lot of self-compassion. It also hopefully gives others compassion because we understand just how difficult it is to make changes. But self-grace and self-compassion are pivotal pieces of us being well, and they're pivotal pieces of us walking forward somewhat boldly into trying to understand what's supposed to be true about our lives, how we're supposed to engage the world around us. And one of the reasons that self-compassion and self-grace are so paramount is, especially in my story, I'm acutely aware that there's no way I will get things perfect right the first time. When I went on my cruise, what I did was I noticed that there were probably about 74 things I would immediately do differently last time, and that's just right off the cuff. So for example, when I flew into Fort Lauderdale, I left here in Michigan in the afternoon, and I arrived at Fort Lauderdale at midnight. That was somewhat of a poor decision because I ended up standing on a curb from 12 in the morning until 1.30 in the morning waiting for my hotel taxi to show up. Didn't feel real safe, didn't feel real comfortable, not real great after flying for half the day. And so in retrospect, I would do things differently. So I ask myself those particular things as I'm going through the process of trying to figure out what do I want to be true about me? What is true about me? Where am I headed? I think through, okay, what went well? Was there a breakdown? Where was there a breakdown? And what could I do differently next time to avoid that breakdown? Now, that's not only with things like behaviors and actions, but that's also related to my thoughts and my thought patterns. And One of the things I've shared is that I have, you know, I have a touch of OCD running. And when I mean a touch, I mean, it's it's a pretty generous portion. But I also have, you know, a trauma-affected brain, which I'm going to dive into in a minute here. And I have the mental health background to understand that we shouldn't be trusting our thoughts and calling them fact. That's just not how it runs for a lot of us. And that's especially true in my brain that is both OCD and trauma-affected. So as I have thoughts that kind of run, I have to ask myself, okay, what am I thinking? Are there other explanations? What were my expectations? Were my expectations appropriate? What needs might be showing up here? And one of the issues I struggle with is for so long, I kind of suppressed my needs and pretended that I didn't have any. And so I actually at times get kind of confused when they show up because I'm like, okay, I I don't know what do I do with this? Do I express it? Do I process through it on my own? Do I make a request of someone? That's a really difficult space for me to be in. 
but I have to look at each one of those situations as a learning opportunity. So my boss and mentor at the counseling agency, so again, I work at Joe Martino Counseling and I get to work with, directly with Joe. One of the analogies he had given me quite a while ago that I've actually carried into many sessions with clients and I've used this in my own life to gently redirect myself just copious amounts of times is the idea that I was living a life that was based on resulting. So if I tried something and it went well, then I did a good deed. If I tried something and it went poorly, then I made the wrong choice. And he gave me the analogy of poker and I apologize. If I can give any frame of reference for my intelligence related to poker, yes, I've played it before, but I'm never invited back a second time. So that should indicate just how faulty some of my references here might be. But please run with me here. Theoretically, I have my cards and you have your cards. And in front of me, you know, we we lay out the cards. There's like a river and stuff. I'm not really sure. But at the end of the, the turn, I have a three of a kind. So I lay my three of a kind and I'm excited about it because it's it's a great hand. Except the person across from me lays down a full house, which I think it's a three of a kind in a pair. So that has to be better, right? So I use this analogy and I, I make the assumption that a full house is better. I'm going to run with it here. What I would say to my clients and what Joe in essence said to me is he said, Steph, you laid down a three of a kind. Was that the right move? Well, of course it was. I didn't have any better move. Yeah, so it was the right move and someone else's move was better. You cannot decide that your choices were right or wrong based on the results. You have the opportunity and also the responsibility to live a life that says, what's the next right move? And whether it goes good, neutral, or poorly, you still have to live a life committed to making what is the next right move. And so that really helped me shift things to say, as I go through this clunky and awkward identity formation piece, that I'm working on, I'm going to get stuff wrong. And that's why self-grace and self-compassion matters. But that's also why I have to ask myself intentional questions every time I show up and make new decisions. What went well? Where was there a breakdown? What would I do differently next time? And then related to my thoughts, what am I thinking? Are there other explanations? What were my expectations? What needs might be showing up here? I have to be committed to being honest with what I'm experiencing. And I have to take each opportunity to reflect and say, okay, what was the good? What was the neutral? What was the bad? And what do I want to be different next time? And I also have to not only be patient with myself because there are giant gaps that I experience right now in many areas of my life, but I need to surround myself with people who love me in spite of the fact that I am clunky and awkward and I do get it wrong. I need people who are patient with me because that demonstrates how to be patient with me. And I grow and I learn in that skill set as well. When things are ruptured for us in community, if we expect to heal, we need to find community in which we can heal. And that's one of the things that feels imperative. And I work with clients so often on identifying who around them is a good support. And if they don't have good supports, they need to go out and seek good supports because I am a placeholder. They need to be finding other people in their lives who will be patient and kind and cultivating and truthful. And if they don't have that yet, we need to actively work on making that a thing because once we're surrounded well, we're far more likely to prioritize self-grace and self-compassion which also allows us to prioritize others' grace and others' compassion, which is going to be one of the inputs that is going to be paramount towards healing. Now, here's where it goes sideways really quickly. Sometimes I do all the right things, as in, and, and that's that's a very resulting comment, right? Like, there are good outcomes, and so I knew I did a good thing. That's not what I'm intending to say here. I do live my life intentionally and cautiously trying to take the next right step. And there are times where I get it wrong, and I'm surrounded well, and people can redirect me. But there are times 
times when even as well managed as my process is, and even as well supported as I am, my mind is also trauma affected, my brain is trauma affected, my emotional wounds show up. And so in spite of my best efforts, trauma will disrupt my process. It will entice me to think, what is the worst case scenario here? And then I will play that out and it will disrupt so many things that I want to be true about my life. I will proceed with faulty narratives as though they are facts when something pushes up against a wound that I have. And so I also have to accept that that is a part of my process. Now I combat it as much as I can. I combat it in several ways. I try to stave off making quick decisions. I waylay my decision-making process. Again, I surround myself well with people who I know I can reach out to and say, hey, I'm struggling. Do you have any insights to give me here? As I've mentioned in the past, therapy for me still is pretty reactive. We're still kind of going through things after they happen, but also therapy is proactive in the sense that I'm trying to gain intentional strategies of how to do things better going forward. And every time something goes sideways, I engage in a postmortem. I try to figure out, okay, where was the breakdown? What could I do differently? How do I walk forward without punishing myself for getting it wrong sometimes? I have to engage in self-compassion because I am awkward and I am clunky and I will get things wrong. My brain is trauma affected and there are wounds that when they get touched, I become dysregulated. Just this past weekend, I, I didn't go off the rails necessarily. It was actually a very mild expression of some of my dysregulated thought patterns, but I was having a conversation with someone and over the course of a couple days, there wasn't a lot of interaction going on. And so my brain started to track towards that old wound that I have of perceiving that someone is indifferent. So they, they, don't care enough to take the time to message me or they don't care enough to invest in some sort of dialogue. And that is not a current issue. There is a historical pattern of that all throughout my relationships. And so when it showed up this last weekend, as much as I could cognitively talk myself through it for a couple days, by times we get to the third day and this still feels like reality, now it's hitting my emotions and I am getting heightened over the fact that I'm being dismissed or someone feels indifference towards me. I try to slow everything down. I tried to process through it and I tried to proactively mitigate it. And unfortunately, instead of being able to handle it on my own, I kind of reached out to the person and I was like, hey, I feel like you're indifferent towards me. This is where I'm at. And, you know, they were very gracious and they said, no, actually, this is what's going on. I apologize that it was received that way. That was not my intent. And then when I hung up from that call, I kind of processed it through with one of my friends and I just said, I feel like such a broken person sometimes because I cannot avoid these wounds showing up. And that's frustrating because I've put in years of work trying to dismantle this. But part of my story is that I am trauma affected. And part of my issue is that leave me alone with myself long enough and I start to believe my own thoughts. And unfortunately, kind of that's what happened this weekend. And thankfully, I'm surrounded with patient people and gracious people. And I acknowledge sometimes it doesn't go the way I'd like it to. And I acknowledge, again, awkward, clunky, well-intentioned, but it is a heck of a package that I have to offer, unfortunately. And so I sit with clients constantly and I have to sit with myself often and really hone in on self-compassion and self-grace because I will get things wrong. We will get things wrong. That's the reality of being human. Use them as launching points for growth. Use them as launching points for self-grace and self-compassion. Use them as launching points to give others grace and to be compassionate towards others because I do believe for the most part, we are all out there trying our best. Caveat, some people aren't. I get it. You don't need to call them out by name. But the reality is many of us are out there trying our best. 
And we get it wrong sometimes because we're human. And so if you can slow things down, if you can reflect, if you can ask yourself questions, all of those things will propel you towards health. All of those things are going to invite you into change. And friends, surround yourself with people that love you in spite of your awkward. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.